Even as a quote-unquote holy guy, Paul struggles deeply with sin. The struggle is real for Paul, and the comfort for that is that the struggle is real for us too, us ordinary folks out here just trying to live life, that there is no difference between us, that more knowledge of the Bible, more education, more, more intelligence around the things of God, even a desire for God, does not mean that we won't struggle with sin. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to How to Study the Bible. I am Nicole Eunice, and I am so glad to be with you today as we are walking through the book of Romans. Today, we're on Romans chapter 7. If you want to open your Bible and join us, guys, friends, I'm so glad you're here. I know that there are many new people here with us, and we are very glad that you're with us and just want to give you a little overview of what we're doing here today. We're going to spend about 15 or 20 minutes looking through a passage of Scripture just using a simple method that I call the Alive Method. We're going to ask four questions of the passage that we're in, and we're going to discover together what God has for us. Um, What we say today will be just scratching the surface of all of the treasures that are within a passage of Scripture, but hopefully this is a really good start for you or a good restart if you're looking for just a grounding place, a habit to develop, a way to say, God, I'm, I'm open to receiving your word and to being in your word with other like-minded believers who are seeking who you are and interested and curious about discovering more about you and about ourselves through you. And that's what we do here. So welcome. You are welcome here. And if you've been here for a while, if you join me faithfully every single week, I am so grateful for you. Thank you for your reviews that you leave at iTunes or Spotify. Uh, For those of you who are active in our Facebook group, you can find out all that information in the show notes if you want to join us there. But without further ado, let's get to what we're really here to do, which is to be in Scripture together. So I just want to invite you to take a deep breath. Oh, wherever you are, wherever you've been, wherever you will go next, these moments matter. I love what Bible teacher Beth Moore says, no time is wasted when it is in God's Word. So we are spending important good time together. Romans chapter 7, if you want to open your Bible and join us today, we're actually going to do an overview of the whole chapter. A lot of times we will take a verse or two and look for the principles within, but I think it's really important that we spend some time and really come up, elevate, come up in altitude over the passage and ask that question, what does this say? Because what we see playing out in Romans chapter 7 is a really important process um, that we're going to want to understand because it matters to our life and it matters to the way that we see how God works. And it takes a little bit of work to interpret it. So we're going to do that together. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. 
Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. So in Romans chapter 7, it starts right here in verse 1. And the Apostle Paul, who's been writing in this whole letter, says, Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives. Okay, so already we're getting set up with a concept that we're like, okay, we better pay attention to this because Paul's kind of coming up here into the abstract world, right? He's he's about to give us this long analogy for the next several verses where he talks about the idea that if you're married and then your spouse dies, you're no longer bound to that covenant. You're no longer in that vow. When your spouse dies, you are released. You're not um, no longer in that relationship. And he's using that analogy to talk about what our relationship is to the law. Now, as believers today, as modern-day Christians, we might feel like, okay, we have to understand a little bit of what the law is and how we interpret the law um, in our modern day. And what we need to know about the law is the whole Old Testament is the law, but most of us on this podcast were not raised to follow the Old Testament rules as our way of life. So you might already kind of feel lost in this chapter because you're like, I don't, this doesn't really apply to me, or I don't know how this applies to me. So stick with it, hang with me, and we're just going to write down law. And I want you to also sort of think about uh, morality. Okay, so law, morality, kind of together, okay? So, um, and that's that's going to be an imperfect analogy, but we're going to keep it there. And what do I mean by morality? I mean um, the ability to know right from wrong. Let's put it that way, that the knowledge within of right and wrong or the knowledge that you have been taught about right and wrong, okay? And then we're going to kind of focus in on verses 7 all the way through the end. So if you haven't read it yet, you may want to pause the podcast because I'm not going to read all of those verses to you, but it is important that you read it because, again, what are we doing right now? We're answering that first question. What does this actually say? We want to elevate our perspective, come up over the chapter and say, okay, can I just briefly say in my own words what this chapter is about. Now, when you do that practice, the idea of that practice is that it makes you ask questions. When you actually try to say, if I was going to restate this chapter, do I understand it? You're going to find that you have questions. And that process is important to what we're doing because that helps you be curious. And a lot of us have lost the art of curiosity. We're not used to sitting down and being like, I should ask some questions of this. I should try to understand this. But the the process of trying to restate what this chapter says can help you ask 
those kinds of questions. So I'm going to help you with that. So if you haven't done it yet and you have a minute or two to read the chapter and to try to just state in your own words, okay, what is happening here? You can then come compare notes with me. Okay. So what I want to lay out here is that when I read this chapter, particularly verse 7 to the end, which takes us all the way to verse 25, um, I'm going to say that there's a process here going on. Okay, and I'm going to lay out what the process is. In verse 9, the process starts with, once I was alive apart from the law. Okay, so there seems to be Paul is laying out, here is something that is going to happen. I'm looking back at my life, and I'm naming a process that happens. So in verse 9, he says, okay, I was alive apart from the law. Okay, morality, let's use that. I was innocent would be another way to say that. Um, And then in verse 10, as I learned about the law, it actually brought me death. It introduced death into my life because when I knew the law, it made me want to break the law is what Paul's saying, okay? If we circle back, again, sometimes we have to follow Paul's reasoning and it's not always linear. It's not always easy. But in verse four, you can circle back and it says that in Christ, I died to the law again, okay? So I was alive apart from the law. The law made me dead. And then in Christ, I died to that slavery. I died to the law again. And then in verse 13, Paul says, and all of this was good. It was good that it brought, the law brought about my death, okay? And then Paul's going to swap out of that process and into a present reality. He's going to start talking about his present struggle with sin, Okay, so what we have is a process that's explaining to us what moves a person toward Christ. And then we have a, and this is the present reality when we are in Christ, right? So the struggle is real, basically, is what this whole passage is about. Because when we get to verse 15, Paul, and this is really one of my favorite little moments in Scripture, um, Paul really starts to talk about what it feels like to know that you are set free from sin, but to still struggle with sin. And I'm going to read a couple of verses for you. He says, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it. It's sin living in me. And he goes on and he says, I have a desire to do what is good, but I don't carry it out. Verse 19 for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this, this I keep on doing. Verse 20. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it. It's sin that's living in me. Okay. So he says in 21, I find this law at work. Even though I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And then he says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? So when we talk about this idea of what does it say, we've got a thick chapter 
of doctrine in front of us. But what we need to focus on, if you're just going to, again, elevate your perspective, come up out of it again. I know the way that Paul writes, the way that this is translated, of course, because this was written in the Greek before it was translated to English. It's it's a lot, right? It's a little complicated. It's a little bit all over the place. So it takes a little bit of work. But what I want you to do is come up out of here and say, okay, Paul is talking about a process. He's talking about something that happens, right? And that reality of what happens. But then he's circling back and saying, but actually, I still struggle. I still struggle. So this thing has happened. This is a spiritual reality that I have been set free from the law that has brought death to me, that brings sin to my life, that brings sin to my awareness, but I'm still going to struggle with sin. Okay. So let's just remember uh, question two, what's the backstory? Last week we laid out, you know, we needed a little help, right? We were like, okay, chapter six, a little confusing. And we went to our study notes and we got this high level overview, this little help that chapter six was about freedom from sin's tyranny Chapter seven was about freedom from condemnation, and chapter eight is about life in the power of the Spirit. So we've got that little bit of outline that says, okay, this is kind of about freedom from condemnation as we're reading chapter seven. And Paul's giving this process, which, by the way, has been debated. Um, you can read that in your study notes, that this idea uh, in verse seven, this 13 through 25, the whole section, we just laid out the process. It says in our study notes that this idea is this a Christian experience or a non-Christian experience has been debated forever. So what's interesting is I'm kind of like, well, I think it's a human experience, right? So basically the idea is we are born, you know, we're innocent of our sin, meaning it's not that we're not under sin, it's just that we don't know it. We don't, we're not in that knowledge. And if you've been around a little child, you know, uh, little children uh, mess up all the time and would quote unquote sin against their parents when they throw their pasta on the ground, um, when they, you know, try to jump them, jump off of a patio. Like they're, they're all the time, you know, transgressing, but they're doing it in innocence. And Paul Paul is speaking about a time when he was innocent. He didn't understand that he was under sin, right? And for many people in the Jewish faith, you can read this in your study notes too, the age of innocence is till the age of 13 when you would have a bar mitzvah, a bat mitzvah that says you've become a man, you've become a woman, you've become responsible for your own actions. So Paul's alluding to a process where there is a time where we're innocent of the awareness of sin. And then there becomes a time in life where we become aware that we make choices that are right and wrong. Now, we didn't live under the law unless you were raised Jewish and especially Orthodox Jewish. We don't have that law, that sense of this is who God is. This is God's holiness. And God's holiness requires these behaviors. But this is the point of the law. And when we read the Old Testament, we learn about the law, that these laws were designed to say, you are a person set apart for God. And because you're a person set apart for God, you have to live a certain way to be in God's holiness, to shine the light of God into a dark world. And all of those laws exist so that you can be holy, that you can be an ambassador of who God is. But what Paul says is that what the law does is as it is introduced to you, as you learn about uh, morality, it actually makes you want to sin. You want to break the rules. 
and I don't know if you've ever experienced this in your life in a sense of right and wrong when you've had someone be like, well, don't, don't. One, one thing that you can never, ever, ever, ever do is this one thing. And then this little part of you is like, I should do that one thing. You know, like there's this, there's this law at work in you where when we know what's right and wrong, we are drawn or tempted to sin. And so Paul's talking about that process of becoming aware of right and wrong and the temptation we then have to do wrong. And that that actually is good because it it allows us to know who we really are. It introduces us, as we talked about in early Romans 1, 2, and 3, it introduces us to the fact that we are not good. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We can't do it on our own. We all need Jesus. That process of feeling like you want to sin— um, but then realizing that that's what introduces you to grace is what Paul's referring to. And he talks about it in the past tense, like, okay, you were innocent, then you understood what the law did, and it introduced sin, and it tempts you to sin, and then you sin, right? And then you know that you need Jesus, and then Jesus allows you to die to that law and be set free. And Paul tells us that whole story, right? And then he goes into a present reality where he's like, okay, all of that's true. That process is true. However, we still have to live in this world. We still live in that struggle. And he takes us to that struggle sort of at the end when he talks about this idea that there's a there's a there's something in me that's waging war inside of me. I don't do what I want to do, and I do what I don't want to do. And I find myself all the time wrestling with the right choices and doing the right thing and being seeking holiness, but also being tempted to sin. And this is Paul talking. And if you don't know much about Paul, at the beginning of Romans 1.1, if you look at your study notes there, you're going to see that you are introduced to lots of details about Paul that you can go read in the Bible. I think that's really important, by the way, you guys. A lot of times, if you've been in sermons or Bible studies, you may have heard things about Paul, but go read them for yourself. Go see that in this actual Bible, you can learn a lot about this man. And this man, Paul, I love in Galatians 1, he talks about himself a little bit. There's several places that he does this. In Galatians 1, verses uh, 13 through 15, he just gives a little autobiographical moment, and he says, hey, you've heard of my previous way of life in Judaism. So he's talking about how he was raised and how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. And now here's a little, I was advancing in Judaism beyond my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And he, he goes on to talk about his life. He basically went into, he, he took time to understand Christianity before he began to preach. And so it was actually three years, it says. But that's not the point. The point is, Paul is a guy who, if he was among us, we would regard him as a spiritual leader. He would be the one who really knew what was up, who was very educated, who was very advanced. He says he was advanced beyond his peers. We would look at him as one of those holy guys. And I share that because This is Paul revealing that even as a quote-unquote holy guy, he struggles deeply with sin. 
the struggle is real for Paul. And the comfort for that is that the struggle is real for us too, us ordinary folks out here just trying to live life, that there is no difference between us, that more knowledge of the Bible, more education, more more intelligence around the things of God, even a desire. He says, you know, Paul says, I was extremely zealous for God. I was like really into it. Even a desire for God does not mean that we won't struggle with sin. And for those of us who've been in the faith for a long time, I think we need to hear that and realize that if we live in this like idea that we're going to be holy and we're going to do it on our own, we're actually continuing to live outside of God's grace. Living in God's grace is actually accepting the reality that the struggle is very real. Um, if we talk about what does it mean, our third question, that's what I want to say is well, we can take comfort in the fact that the struggle is real for Paul. We can take more comfort in the fact that God's mercy is real, that God's mercy is real. And that's where this chapter ends. Because it says in verse 25, Paul says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself in my mind, am a slave to God's law. But in my sinful nature, I'm a slave to the law of sin. So he's talking about yes, in in inside of me, there is this war being waged about who I am beholden to. But the whole previous piece of the chapter is talking about the idea that a process has happened. And in that process, I have died. Remember the beginning analogy was, hey, if you died to something, you're no longer bound to it. And in the process of coming to know Christ, we've died to the law. We have died to the, the, the tyranny of sin. Remember we talked about last week, we have died to the condemnation of sin. We may still struggle in our mind, but a spiritual reality has taken place. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. That is straight scripture for you. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. That's Romans 10, 9 for you guys. We're coming into Romans 10 in a couple of weeks, but man, if you're looking for one verse to memorize... If you need one assurance of your salvation, um, memorize that verse. Just memorize it and realize God's not saying if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. We should confess that every day because that's our setting of our heart. But he's not asking us to, to keep on doing a ritual over and over again to make sure that we're saved. Being saved is a done deal. It is done. When you say and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, it's done. It's like the difference between being dead and being alive. It's the difference between being alive and being dead. It doesn't get undone. <laughs> that's, that's why this analogy is so powerful for us is because it's not undone. And what Paul's saying in chapter 7 is, hey, this is a spiritual reality that's happening and it has happened. And when you struggle, it's okay because I struggle too. And guess what, guys? I struggle too. We all struggle. We can actually take comfort in that, that God is using our struggle to draw us toward him. So what does it mean for you today? Well, first of all, I hope that you'll take comfort somewhere in you to know that, man, this this part of me that wrestles, this part of me that still wants to do evil, this part of me that's tempted to sin, there is a real war being waged within me as a believer. This law of this of sin is still at work trying to draw me in, but I have my assurance of salvation 
and I have the mercy of God, which means that every single day, his mercy is new every morning for me. And every single day I can come to say, I want to confess Jesus that you are Lord of my life. And I want to live into that even while I acknowledge that there is a wrestling within me. You know, that wrestling within you makes you so human. And that wrestling within you keeps reminding you of the goodness of God's mercy. That wrestling within you keeps you present to how good grace is, how much we need grace. You know what happens when you don't wrestle? You become self-righteous. <laughs> you become prideful. You, can, you think you can do it on your own. And God is in his mercy. This is why Paul says it's actually good to be introduced to this law that makes us aware of our sin. Because the more aware of our sin we are, the more aware we can be of God's mercy. Go in peace, my friends. We'll talk next week. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Gibbons and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at NicoleEunice.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that, plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes. Do you want to better understand the Bible and give biblical answers to those who ask you about your faith? Hi, this is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Podcast Show. Listen to us weekly as we bring the truth often found in the ivory towers of seminary down to the steeple towers of the local church. Join me along with many of the nation's top theologians as we offer answers to life tough questions from an apologetic perspective. Subscribe to the show at lifeaudio.com.